hello and welcome to episode six. So this is going to be a little bit different um, and it's quite exciting because we've got our first guest episode and this is going to be part of our kind of career spotlight series where we're talking to people who work in and around social kind of come from all different angles we know there's so many different routes into the industry and everyone's path is totally different and we thought it would just be interesting to chat to some people hear their stories hear more about their experiences etc so let me introduce Maya hello she is somebody that I worked with back in Sydney many years ago <laughs> and I think we we only really worked together briefly didn't we I think it was probably for a few months we were at an ad agency which was based right next to Sydney Harbour Bridge it was amazing had the most amazing sunsets since then I suppose life has taken us off in two two completely different directions I came back to the UK a few years after that and then I think you came and lived in London for a bit you're now back in Western Australia like it's been a, a mad, crazy time. Yeah, right? I've had a very um, fortunate, crazy career that's seen me live and work around the world, which is great. And part of the, I guess, reason why I've stuck to working in digital marketing, because um, being in lots of different places and working with lots of different types of people, you just kind of get to know how to respond to people really well. And I've loved it because it's so flexible that I can pick up work wherever I am and, um, you know, keep adding more to my, you know, skills toolkit each place that I work. So it's a really great industry to be in if you're wanting to yeah, live wherever you want around the world, basically. Work whenever you want to, even until 12 o'clock at night, which is annoyingly when my brain works best. <laughs> <laughs> Same, yeah. I'm a night owl. Oh, I'm a morning person I'm very much oh, a morning I person do it. I really do envy you because the number of times I've been asked to come into like a marketing report meeting if I worked you know inside internally somewhere at nine o'clock and I'm like I've barely woken up like you guys need to give me another couple of hours at least before I can start giving you like any reports on my metrics this morning um, <laughs> So yeah, why don't you give us like a quick sort of overview then of your career? Because obviously, I think when we worked together, that was your first like yeah, job, it was right? really lucky. I um, well, the first my first proper job in digital. So when I graduated from high school, I actually went straight into working in the film industry in Western Australia, and was really lucky to work on a number of um, film sets and TV commercial sets, and it was just what I wanted to do. I was absolutely obsessed with being a director or an actor and or an actor director and was, you know, dead set on going down that path. So I decided, well, that's never going to happen in Perth. So I'll move to Melbourne, but I was too lazy or, you know, ironically didn't think I was good enough to get into the big um, film school there, which is the Victorian College of the Arts. So I just took the easier way route, which was to um, apply for the Bachelor of Communications media degree at RMIT University, thinking that was all going to be film and TV and my career would be this huge trajectory and I would be winning Oscars by the time I was 25. Little did I know a Bachelor of Communications has nothing to do with film production. Um, I was very fortunate to just be able to do one or two units a semester that actually, you know, were was making films. 
And the rest of the time I was having to put up with all these stupid units talking about marketing and digital trends. And, and I was like, oh, this is so annoying. I'm never going to need any of this. Why am I here? Next minute I'm graduating and I need work and I've, you know, kind of accidentally collected all of these skills to market digitally. And this was 2011. So Instagram wasn't around. Twitter was obviously going gangbusters, but that was very much a commentary platform. It wasn't really being used for anything um, business orientated. LinkedIn was, I don't even think LinkedIn was around at the time. Oh, if it was, it was literally just a CV dumping ground. Exactly, yeah. Pinterest was alive, but very, very lightly. And then Facebook was still at the stage where it was, you know, generating, just trying to, you know, generate this huge account growth and was on the verge of um, implementing its business marketing tools. So weirdly, I came out knowing how to use social media for business marketing purposes. Um and my interests were always in content production, which came from my career in film. So the job that I did with Joe at the works was um, in the content production team. So making little bite-sized videos, um, graphic designs and stuff. Yeah, it was a real, it was a great wake-up call. Um, and it just made me realise, well, hang on, this, this you know, last three years of my life where I've been... Um, you know, poo-pooing my degree has actually really helped me sort of start in a direction that's going to possibly provide me some sustainability, whereas which was just not going to happen with film. So I moved back to Perth and over the next few years just basically jumped between film and digital and the two are very complementary. So my skill set in film is around producing and that role is, you know, responsible for driving a project forward, bringing all the elements together, being on top of all the key trends, knowing how to work with people, knowing how to market your product, which is your film, so understanding your audience, working with key stakeholders and financiers to get, you know, your project together. And that was very similar to working with clients that I had um, who were from a variety of different industries, hospitality, beauty, surfing, retail, and then film. I had a lot of film clients as well. Where it's a really wide range, hey? Like that's such a different set of industries to have worked across. Yes. And I think the fact that I went straight into that early in my career really helped me to be still doing it now because I had to figure out how to use the same platforms to market to very, very different audiences with very different products. Um, very different budget levels because the clients were at different stages as well. And what it's meant is that the skill I've obtained and maintained over the years is basically just being really flexible. And I think I can't stress enough like that that's been my number one um, sort of core skill that I've held on to because I found that it's any time that someone tries to be rigid in their work that they fall behind. The reality is, is that we're all learning every single day. Things change every minute. And if you're not open to changing your practice when that happens, then you'll have someone else who's coming up behind you who will just move forward with it straight away. Um, 
but yeah, that variety just really helped sort of set me off for the rest of my career, really. Joe and I have talked about this before in that we both consider ourselves kind of to be social media generalists in our own way, really, because we, we, I mean, I started in social in 2009 and Joe was a few years later, but because we started on the journey when it was, when social media was so young, right, we we were learning on the job we were just almost like rolling with the punches and Mm. I think we kind of feel the same that we can be very like adaptable to different clients and different needs and everything because back then we had to do all the things for all the people all the time and you know we, we saw such huge changes in the platforms and the growth and the way that it all adapted and it's just really interesting speaking to somebody else who's been through a really similar journey I mean what would you say like the best bits highlight stories from your past I mean Joe and I have talked many many times about some of the ridiculous stories that we've got from working in social do you have you got any of those hiding in your pocket I mean last year was a pivotal moment for me in my career because of COVID so I up until the beginning of 2020 have been working pretty much full-time in the film industry. So um, managed to I, I moved to London to do an internship at Scott Free Films. Um, and that was supposed to be six months. And after three months, I got it offered a job to work with Ridley Scott. And I kind of was like, hmm, give me a second to think about this. Yes, I'll take it. So I was his, one of his assistants for a year. Um, and when that contract came up, I went to work at Lookout Point Productions, which is a BBC owned TV drama company and was the EA to the CEO there. And then I moved home in 2019 and was working as a, I guess you could call it a conference producer for, um, a film festival that's based in the Southwest of Western Australia. Um, so my job last year, which was a digital marketing manager for a um, theatre company in WA was my first full-time digital gig for a while and I knew from keeping up with the trends there was so much that was different from the last time I'd really been working in that space which is 2016 that um, I was just going to have to tackle it head on and you know obviously remember all of my basics but you know really focus on what I could could learn and adapt to and then COVID happened um and all of a sudden I was having to learn how to do live streaming how to help the company adapt its theatre productions to be filmed and then streamed online you know trying to create um online live experiences for audiences through social media so we could keep them engaged because our worry was that having had to cancel our entire program for the year, except for our final piece of the season, that we would just lose everybody. Because, you know, obviously not really knowing how the pandemic would affect everybody socially, we did expect the arts would be the last thing to come back. So social just played a huge role. And I wasn't necessarily prepared for that. (laughs) I was like, it's okay, I'll come in. And I know that I'm doing the website and the newsletters and, you know, the ticketing systems and, um, you know, trying to help all the other departments deliver their digital um, objectives as well. But then COVID happened and I was like, 
oh wow okay so digital is like really really important now so it was it was challenging but it was just fascinating to really try a lot of different things and you know be working with with lots of other companies in the industry who were going through the exact same thing the West Australian Ballet Company the West Australian Symphony Orchestra the West Australian Opera we were all literally doing the same thing in rapid response to what was happening so yeah it was it was a a highlight and a low light. Low light because when we were in lockdown for the very brief time that Perth was in lockdown, I was working 50-hour weeks, which was mad. Oh, wow. Why? I'm not sure, but um, possibly just poor management really. But I was, you know, there was a lot of scrambling. And um, for a theatre company to have to rely on digital to carry its business for the foreseeable future was very scary for a lot of people and I totally understood that but it was um yeah that's why it was it was tough but it was great at the same time so yeah that's probably the real highlight and low light in one answer (laughs) I mean that's a lot of weight for you to carry as that sort of digital expert within the business do you think that has impacted you I definitely so to be to get personal and honest, um, I actually had to take a month of stress leave in October. I had, I'd had a few things happening in my personal life, but also up until that point, I'm not kidding, I'd been working on average 45, 50 hour weeks since January. I, we'd gone through the lockdown. We were trying to work out how to pivot business to adapt to the fact we weren't doing live stage theatre. And there was just so much pressure on me but then equally I was kind of being told that it wasn't my responsibility that I just you know if I needed help I could put my hand up um you know that the you know at the end of the day I'm not in charge so you know I don't need to worry about it so it was this really weird dynamic in my role where I was kind of asked to lead, but not at the same time. And this is where, you know, this mm. this imposter phenomenon that I've experienced on and off in my career started to really come to fruition. I just had this, you know, deep fear that I was completely inadequate, constantly second-guessing myself, um, you know, being shown articles at the top of Google search results for social media trends to, to, you know, to tell me what we should do. And it was just constant and exhausting. And I just got to the point where I went, I can't fight this anymore. Like I'm trying so hard to do my job. Um, and you are not listening to me. Um, so I'm, I'm having a break. <laughs> so I left. Yeah. And then the irony of ironies was that over that month, I was told there was going to be support put in place so that when I came back, there would be this easy transition. Um, and you know, I would, you know, be able to have some, it would be a slow, you know, um, way back in. And instead I came back and there were three, you know, like tens of thousands of dollars worth of, um, digital campaigns on the go, including the 2021 season launch, um, which was being done in person and online. And so I was trying to do the marketing for the launch, manage the live stream, get these other two campaigns underway, one of which was, you know, selling tickets for our final show of the year. It was just crazy. So this 
idea that I had all this support and I, you know, was was going to be able to, you know, calmly come back into it just didn't happen. Um, and it just kept going like that. And eventually I just kind of, you know, after sort of having various conversations with the powers that be decided it wasn't the right environment for me. So I left a few weeks ago um, to go freelance and it was mm. the best decision because it wasn't until I was out that I realised how many times I'd been told I didn't know what I was doing, even though I've had nearly 10 years of experience working in this industry. And it was just, inc- it was just crazy. I, I just, I couldn't believe that I'd put up with it for that long, really. We, Joe and I have come across this so much though, so much. It's, I, I know, I'm, I'm so sorry that you went through that. It's, it's just rubbish when, you know, it's bad enough feeling like you have this imposter syndrome. It's even worse when you're being made to feel it by other people as well. Well, it was interesting because um, it was really only one person and, you know, that person was, you know, a very vital um, role in relation to my role in the company. Everyone else was, you know, without blowing my own horn, was telling me how great a job I was doing. But unfortunately, this one person just happened to be the most influential in my security and also my mental health at you know because when that you know when you're being placed underneath a certain person in a team you know that they're the ones that you are going to look up to and rely on to take care of you and um when they're the ones that are telling you you're wrong and you've got the wrong information and you're not doing a good enough job and you're not you know when you're asking for help you're being told oh well you should know how to do that because that's your job um you just you know run away and hide because you know the stupidest thing was that I was so worried about losing my job in you know the context of COVID having seen how many people I knew working in the arts losing their income that um you know I I now realize and I think this is one of those things that happens when you get older is it was just not worth it like the the time I was there was so valuable in so many ways because of who I got to work with. But on the other hand, this one was, you know, this experience with one aspect of the job was, was just not worth hanging around for. So I'm really glad I left, but I think it's so interesting having spoken to a number of people, not even in person, because I don't actually know that many people that work in digital marketing in Perth, other than a few agencies, but online um, there's a fantastic group called the Social Marketers Exchange, which was created by Sprout Social. It's obviously a bit of a, you know, um, what's the word, product placement thing for them. But it's a group of about 9,500 social media managers and we're all just going on at each other about who the fuck knows what's happening right now. <laughs> it's, it's great because I have moments or there will be moments in time like, we had, um, I don't know whether you guys are aware of this, but Facebook actually shut down all news-related pages. I saw this. Yeah, earlier this year. But the way that their algorithm defined a page was actually collected a lot of arts organisations, including ours. So we just 
I just didn't have a Facebook page for about five days. And it was hilarious, you know, because I just I had to say to the board, look, there's nothing I can do. I'm sorry. I, I can't call Mark Zuckerberg and tell him to give it back. Um, oh, but people do tell you to do that, don't they? I've had before in companies. Can't you just call Facebook and get them to yeah. fix this? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, exactly. And it was... And that was that was another example of me thinking I didn't know what I was doing because I was like, oh well, you know, so and so's got theirs back, and I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? And then I would, I would reach out to them, and they wouldn't have actually done anything particularly special. They just waited, and it got turned back on again. So this was this was the constant mm. thing I had, you know. So like through, um, like the Black Lives Matter protests last year, obviously COVID lockdowns on and off, um. What else happened last year that was pretty massive? The bushfires earlier in the year for us were pretty big. We had bushfires in WA early this year as well. It would be like, okay, well, this is how I think we should move forward. And the response would always be, oh, well, this isn't what everyone else is doing. Or this isn't what I've read you should do. And, you know, oh, I've spoken to this person who kind of works in digital, not really. And they've told me we should do this. And I'm like, well, good for you. Like, if you want to listen to them, go for it. But I'm not going to waste my breath trying to convince you to do the things that I'm suggesting you do. Um, yeah. So that's where I, I was really fortunate that I had a great relationship with the CEO and he just sat me down when I was, you know, tossing up whether to stay or go and said, you're very similar to me in that you probably work best by yourself. And that was something I had really struggled to accept for my entire career it was super scary the idea that I'm fully responsible for my own income my own protection my own legal structure everything um but it just made sense and then you know having left and had a whole load of contract work come my way it really just made me go okay actually it's it's so important in this industry to listen to yourself and not other people because it you really you know it's so much of what we do we're told by lots of tertiary institutions and online course providers oh you know it's all skills based and you got to know so much about the technology blah 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 it's not it's all intuition it's it's and psychology so it's understanding people that is literally the basis of social media your role is to work out what people want and how to get it to them in the right way um that's it. And it changes all the time. So you, you can't really sit there and take from someone who doesn't have that, you know, innate understanding of social being told what to do because they're wrong. <laughs> it's as simple as that. But it takes a lot to, to, to get to that point. And um, yeah, the more I've read into imposter syndrome over the last few weeks, the more I've realized how, how much it's held me back in my career, which is dreadful because I'm sure it's done the same for lots of other people that we work with. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think you've just, I mean, I could literally sit and listen to you for hours because you just articulate it really, really well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th I think like everything that you've just said just is a really clear explanation of why people get themselves into the situations mm. that they do. Um, when it comes to sort of working with those people and I, I mean, Georgie and I have talked about this a lot where you come up against these people who tell you that you're wrong or they're just 
they just don't even want to listen have you ever found a way of like getting through to them even a little bit because this is the thing that we've really struggled with is that you kind of get these levels of people and some people just do not want to listen they literally just shut you down at every opportunity and it does come to that point where you're just like this is not even worth my time and you I mean in those cases I've I've walked away but it's annoying because I don't like walking away from situations I want to be able to explain to people and like make situations better um, so it's a, a difficult thing to walk away. Yeah. But have you ever like had any success with anybody and like sitting them down and explaining it to them? I have with clients. Yeah, I really, you know, clients seem to understand yeah. that when you've hired someone to do a job that they know what they're doing. But internally as an employee, I don't know whether it's because of what I represent or you know, it. I bring different ideas that people haven't heard of or what I don't know, but I have always really struggled to communicate my ideas and my sort of, you know, strategies to teams. And most often than not, it's because the response is, oh, well, that's not what we know. And I'm like, well, that's the point. Like I'm here because you don't know what I what I know, you know, and that's supposed to be a good thing, you know, diversity in marketing teams is really important, I think, because particularly as the world becomes more reliant on digital as a marketing platform and we just start getting more and more siloed, you will see lots of companies starting to employ EDM specialists, social specialists, paid advertising specialists, Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's going in a very interesting direction, which I could talk about all the time, but, um, yeah, I, I found time was what a lot of people needed. Um, not being told things, but being given information, letting them go off and think about it, and then coming back around. Having, like, I, I this was one of the reasons I left because I recognized to myself I don't have the patience for this, but having the patience to have multiple conversations and inevitably conversations that come around to the same result that you first proposed, which is, hilarious but also equally frustrating because you're like well why didn't you listen to me in the first place so I think when you're working in an environment with a product that is quite unique you need to know how to speak to people in a certain language and that's what can take up so much energy when you're trying to translate to clients or managers or the board or even other colleagues, why things are the way they are. And your yours, you know, the reaction you're getting is, well, this isn't how I understand it, or this isn't, you know, what I experience, because of course everyone's on social media these days. Literally everybody. There's I think nearly two billion accounts now. Um, you can't, you know, tell somebody apparently that, oh well this isn't, you know, Instagram, you know, isn't gonna really prioritize a post that features you know your kids toes in a bath for a post about you know mother's day compared to you know a, a photo of a, of, a, of a show that we've done previously it, you know it, but it's like it's just trying to get them to separate personal use of social media compared to business use of social media and that is really hard because at first yeah. With with other marketing forms, you don't use newspapers personally. 
you obviously read them, but you, the process of actually building a newspaper or contributing to a newspaper is not something you do. You, I mean, you might write to the editor, but that's about it. With, you, you know, um, what else? Like billboards, you drive past billboards, you'll comment on a design, you know, you might think about it after you've gone past it, but you don't contribute to the existence of that billboard. But when you're dealing with digital email, websites, social media, people are actively using them every single day. And so they think, oh, well, that makes me an expert because I'm using this every single day. I'm contributing to its its existence. And it's just completely different to how, what we do, which was actually using the platform to market a product or a service, um, not using it ourselves for personal use. That's the hardest thing is when you've got people who think that they know what they're doing and are just not able to separate their personal understanding of digital or or even just general marketing platforms to the business application of that platform. It's interesting that you you said, oh, with clients, actually, they're more open to hearing the explanations. I think that's so true. And I, I have wondered, like, in those instances where I have been in situations where I'm just coming up against somebody internally who just will not listen to me or even give me the time of day, I do wonder if from their point of view, if they're just threatened by the, the knowledge that I have because they don't have it themselves. And rather than just seeing it as a positive thing, like here's somebody who I can actually utilize within the team, their way of dealing it is just to kind of shut it down so that they don't have to sort of show that they don't know that that such a big blocker on good work though it's such a shame because if you went directly to the client I bet they'd love the idea or they'd be open to hearing about it it's a really tricky one but I think again like it goes back to that kind of knowing when to walk away like if you're not if you're coming up against somebody who's more senior than you who just will not give you the time of day there's a point where you have to just stop bashing your head against a brick wall and go, okay, well, I literally can't achieve what I want, what I'm here to achieve. I, I think the most important thing that people can understand about themselves is that that is okay. It is okay that you don't work well with someone and it's okay if it takes five or six clients or five or six jobs for you to find the right place for you. Um, because I think in digital compared to other industries, your your skill sets are so required when you're hired by a client or an employer. But equally, there are so, so many ways that they can be completely discredited. You know, I, I've, the number of times I've been told, oh, you know, it's really like social is just such a small part of what we do or digital is really not that valid. I mean, for God's sake, like the the job I last had or one of the jobs I've had, you know, like the marketing budget for digital was 30% for the media spend compared to traditional media channels during COVID. And I just was like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to argue with this. Like I, I've got, you know, I'm trying to give you all of the data that which you keep asking me for because that's the thing that employers love to ask for is data to, to prove you know what you're talking about. Um, to demonstrate the value in investing in digital and you're not doing it. And I think that's, you know, again, now being older, I'm just learning life's too short. There's no point fighting with people that don't want to work with you 
And I think you're, you're right, Joe. I think that a lot of it is that people who are in executive positions now are of that generation who didn't grow up with social media, didn't grow up with digital. So they have this natural unease with it or, um, you know, just generally not that familiar with, with the inner workings of it. So to adapt their understanding of marketing practices and their principles to an entirely new platform is really difficult, but they don't want to admit that. And it's ironic because Will will sit here and perfectly, you know, say perfectly well, I have no idea how um, cable television works or radio or print, you know, and and I'm not going to try. I mean, I have worked somewhat across those mediums through the marketing coordinating roles I've had, but I'm no expert and I certainly wouldn't sit there telling people what to do with those channels compared to digital so that's again where it's so interesting um in reverse how you know people feel like they can tell you what to do when you work in this industry but the other way around it's not welcome or warranted so yeah I think you know at the end of the day there is I think the stigma around people in our generation you know gen y millennials and gen z's who are jumping from jump job to job is has got to go. We've we've got to understand that the way that companies are being structured at the moment and businesses are being struck being constructed are that there are people in in positions of power with a lot of pressure to deliver um on you know very reduced budgets, very tight deadlines who won't behave appropriately and we don't have to stand for that. So it's totally fine to leave. I think that's well. If I could have told my my twenty two year old self anything, it would have been it is okay to leave because the number of jobs I've held on to for the solid fear of being unemployed, um, because I just felt I had to, and meant I'd spent months having so much mental health angst and basically being very unhealthy in general could have been easily not had because it it doesn't just impact your work life it it has an impact on the rest of your life as well right like I I definitely when I've been in those roles where I've kind of been working the extra hours and all that kind of stuff I I then like I stop Mm -hmm. exercising and I eat a lot a lot more crappy food because I can't be bothered to cook and I don't have time to cook and stuff like that so yeah you're right it sort of impacts the rest of your life and you have to just know when to stop. And I'm exactly on the same page as you. I think if you do not fit somewhere or if you feel like the job isn't right, then absolutely leave. I don't believe in this whole like, oh, you've got to be somewhere for like a year or two. Otherwise, it looks really bad on yeah. your CV. I, I think those days are gone. And I would rather see that if I was employing someone, I would rather see that they had moved around and tried to find somewhere that suits them and their lifestyle and their their skill set. And their mental mm. state, rather than seeing somebody who's just stuck it out, and as as a re- result is sort of this former shell of their normal yeah. self. Like I don't want to see people broken, and it, it's not worth it, as you say. It's just. I think what's really it. sad, actually, in a way, is that all three of us have experienced this, and it just seems to be the more that we've talked about this, the more that we've opened up about this um, as social unicorns, like the more conversation there is 
out there. I mean, there's a bit of a parody Instagram account that's um, growing quite rapidly at the moment relating to people that work in social. And it just hits the nail on the head constantly because, and it just goes through like the daily struggles of our job that so many other industries just don't have. And it is like the, the way that you explained, I know, the fact that people use all of the tools that we use day to day for business on a personal level makes people think that they know stuff and they don't. And mm. it's just the accessibility or the perceived accessibility of our skill set and our jobs makes it very difficult for us to be able to do our jobs, I think. And it's, I just think it's so refreshing and so important that these conversations have been had and it's it's so great to hear from you and your experiences because you've just put it so perfectly and so clearly how where where you see the where the problems and the issues have been and it's what as we've said it's what joe and i talk about all the time yeah and i think i think what you guys are doing is fantastic because opening this dialogue is how we're going to get you know constructive change happening for us People who work in this industry need to be treated better. We need to be respected. We need to go into work feeling safe. We need to be able to come home and not feel like we need to be checking our phones until 11 o'clock at night. Um, It's uh, now knowing how vital digital is to business operations as a result of a global pandemic. It's about time that there was an attitude shift towards how you know vital we are to you know actually making businesses operate you know in ways which they just have to now there is no excuse if you're not changing your business operations and your approach to marketing as a result of the last 18 months then you're dead in the water very very soon so I think you guys creating social unicorns and having these conversations with people is the most important thing we can do right now. So yeah, thank you for having me and for having this chat. It's yeah, it's always nice to know that you have had this uh, the same experiences as other people. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for your time. It's been really, really lovely to chat to you today. We really appreciate hearing all about your experience. And yeah, I mean, we're certainly planning to continue the conversation about all of these topics because you know we, we do feel like it's very important and it's it is something that needs to be addressed as, as we've discussed so absolutely that there will be more to come from social unicorns on this I have no doubt it's a pleasure to have you on and it's so great to hear your voice I know we've not like actually spoken in it's been years a, it's, been so a it's been a decade years. almost Joe. <laughs> well Thank you very much for joining us and um, listen out for the next episode coming up soon. Great. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.